0: As a little child, often during the season of Lent, our church would raise money to send to world hunger across the world. I never really knew who the recipients were of my little nickels and dimes. This past November, our guest today, Kathleen Rudrud, a member of Ascension Lutheran Church, was a part of a study tour sponsored by the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America and they were investigating where those, not only nickels and dimes, but millions of dollars sent from people like ourselves were doing good ministry to alleviate hunger, and she went to Peru. There were about 15 people on this trip, and I so wanted you to hear a bit of her story, to hear about what happens between that space, between the offering basket, your check, and what's happening in Peru. So, I introduce you to my friend, Kathleen Rudrud.
1: Good morning. I want to thank you all very, very much for giving me the opportunity to speak to you this morning. As Pastor Melissa said, my name is Kathleen Rudred, or Rudrud or Rudrud, depending on what part of the country you're from, um, and I'm not going to go into that. Uh, <laughs> I am a member of Ascension Lutheran Church here in Thousand Oaks, and um, if Pastor Melissa hadn't given you quite as detailed an explanation of why I'm here, you would probably be saying, so why is she here? Um, In November of last year, I had the fabulous opportunity to um, be part of an ELCA World Hunger Study Group, and we went to Peru. We were in Peru for about two weeks. and Very good. I want you to know exactly where I went and who I am. We went to Peru, we went to Lima, Cusco, and that last word is Juan Cavalica, Juan Cavalica, which is in the southern Andes of Peru. Part of our trip um, was to discover firsthand how our ELCA World Hunger dollars um, are active in, in this world. And my responsibility as being Part of that team is to share with anyone who will listen the mission and vision of world hunger. The ELCA World Hunger and Disaster Relief works with partners throughout the world to improve health, to strengthen communities, to build livelihoods, and to recover from disasters. In Peru, the stories that I heard, the people that I met, and the sights that I saw touched my heart, and I want to share them with you today. Peru is on the west coast of South America. It's bordered by Ecuador, Colombia, Brazil, Bolivia, and Chile. Its population is approximately 28 million and there is a very large gap between the wealthy and the poor. 37 percent of the population live on less than two dollars a day and 34 percent don't have sustainable access to water. The Peruvian Evangelical Lutheran Church serves several of these communities and um, small villages with programs of meals, children and youth programs, community outreach, and so I ask you now to join me as I take you with me to go and do likewise in Peru. The um, hills outside of Lima are covered with squatters' villages or uh, shanty towns. The land that these homes are built on is not owned by the people that build the homes. They just find a piece of land and they start building. Eventually. The government comes in and puts in roads, uh, stairways, because as you can see, they're very, very steep hillsides. They also put in uh, sewer systems, sanitation, water, and electricity, but this quite often takes many, many years. The uh, Evangelical Lutheran Church of Peru has uh, parishes in many of these communities. One of the ones that we visited was Emmanuel, and it um, is definitely on the hillside. Our bus going up the hill had to go into um, what my husband used to call Granny Low in order to get it up the um, the hillside, and it was a dirt street, and it was deeply, um, what do you call it, deep culverts because of the rain um, that comes during their monsoonal seasons. The, uh, the congregation there has a tremendous outreach to the community. They have a meal program that feeds approximately uh, 75 children every day. They have a preschool. They have a, 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 for their youth program, they have what they call a school reinforcement program, which really encourages the young people to stay in school and to complete their education. We also traveled to the outskirts of uh, Lima, to a more rural area, an area called Pachacama, and this is Philadelphia Congregation. and They also have um, a meal program. It's called A Cup of Milk, and it's really geared to, to young children to make sure that they have at least one healthy, nutritious meal a day. They also have the school reinforcement program and community outreach and they have a program for the women in the community and they help them to perfect their handicrafts and they've also um, organized them so that they actually take those handicrafts to market now and sell them in the uh, Indian market. We also visited Emmaus. Emmaus is in a new uh, community. It's actually building up uh, right around the church. And um, this is a very unique church because it is uh, predominantly made up of young people, people under the age of 21. Uh, The church council is um, made up of uh, teenagers. The vice president of the congregation is actually 16 years old. And when he finishes his um, high school education, he plans to go into seminary and he is actually, I don't have a pointer, but he is the gentleman in the middle of the lower picture with the stripe going across his shirt. Yeah, he uh, was a delightful young man to talk to. We then uh, went to a, um, a community outside of Cusco. This is a com- a, what we would consider a planned community. The people that um, live here bought their plots of land. They paid $1,500 for their lots, and they actually make the bricks that they use to build their homes. The church is being built right alongside all of the houses. The top uh, picture is um, the road that leads to the, it's actually the main road in town and it leads right to the church. We're actually walking to the church. The center picture is um, what is um, the church at the time that we were there in November. Um, They were just finishing the basement hoping to get it finished in time for Christmas services. Um, It's going to be actually a three story building with um, a community center in the bottom floor and the basement, the sanctuary on the first floor or actually would be the second floor, and then the top floor would be the home for the pastor. Um, The women in this community have also started a community outreach, and they feed the children in that community before and after they go to school. They either have class in the morning or the afternoon. And as you can see, this is the kitchen that they're using to cook the food for for the, the community. It's an outdoor Um, stove with uh, wood burning and um, as rustic as these accommodations were for them the food that they prepared was very nutritious and very well balanced they made sure um, that it was a good meal since it was something that probably the only meal that the children would have that day All of these projects, all of these congregations are funded in part by the World Hunger Dollars that we contribute every year. We then moved on to Cusco, which is a beautiful city of colonial buildings, um, roofed with beautiful red tile, uh, very steep, windy roads. It was very picturesque and a place that I can't wait to go back to. The first place we visited was an amazing program for the street children of Cusco. Approximately 200 children um, are taken care of at this facility. They have primary education, they have vocational training, um, they uh, learn um, health and and nutrition. Um, they're given meals. Um, some of the trades that the children um, learn are ceramics, painting, carpentry, tin work, needlework, and um, the school also runs a bakery. It was amazing when we took our tour of the property. The children were our actual guides, and these are like seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds that are taking us around, and they're just. T- so excited. They're very animated and they're just talking like crazy and telling us all about the things that that they are involved in. When we went into the wood workshop, they didn't just show us what they were making, whether they be puzzles or nativities or things like that. They actually told us about the different kinds of wood that they were using. They named each wood and the type of tree it came from and how they cut it and they were so proud of their knowledge. When we went into the ceramics building it was amazing the incredible things that these children were making and the watercolors were just a- absolutely beautiful. you're seeing These children were so well trained and they were so proud of everything that they did. When we actually left this um, property, we had to exit through the bakery. And I must tell you that the smell walking through that bakery was incredible. And a few of us were compelled to stop and taste some of the things that they baked, and they were indeed wonderful. We then moved on to Juan Cavalica in the uh, southern Andes, and this was an adventure. Just getting there—that I will tell you about at another time. It was supposed to be a five-hour bus ride. It took us about twelve. Um, we did run into a snowstorm, and I, it, it was just—it was a, interesting. <laughs> Something that we um, reminisce about often. Um, we were had the opportunity to meet a group of women. It's—it's uh, it's called the Association of Women Artisans and they perfected the weaving um, of wonderful, wonderful blankets, uh, tablecloths, um, uh, table runners, uh, sweaters, blankets, uh, scarves, and hats, the traditional Peruvian hat that has the little, I should have brought one to show you, with the little ear flaps that they either turn up or down that everyone wears. Um, And because of the wonderful training, and this is a project that has worked, our partner is Lutheran World Relief. They have learned a better way of uh, spinning the wool from the alpaca. They have learned a better technique for weaving. And they have so perfected their trade that not only have they opened a storefront there in Juan Cavalica, but they also export to shops in Lima now. And they're getting more and more orders. Um, When I was there, I had the opportunity to talk to a woman by the name of Maria, and Maria shared with me that before she became a part of this organization, her husband did not respect her, he did not value her, and that within their community, there was a great deal of spousal abuse. She said, since she has joined this program and perfected her trade and is now bringing income into the, um, the household, she says, my husband now respects me. He knows that I have value and worth. She says, and I've also learned that um, how important nutrition is. She says, my children are more healthy. She said, I've actually found out that there are, um, it's, it's important not to eat just potatoes and I don't know if you know but potatoes originated in Peru and they have over 300 different varieties of potato some of them are about this big and they're purple or red uh, they're, they're very interesting tasting um, some are better than others uh, some are more nutritious than others um, but so because they're so readily available that's what so many people eat and they're learning that they really need to have a balanced diet We then went to one of the farming communities that uh, Lutheran World Relief is um, helping to partner and uh, one of the things that we discovered is that uh, farming in Peru has really not changed that much in the last 500 years. The wooden sticks that you see them using are actually wooden hand plows that were used in the time of the Incas and it was really amazing to me to see the family actually working the fields using these rudimentary tools. So um, the project that um, Lutheran World Relief partnered with was a reservoir and irrigation uh, project. They had a natural spring in the mountains and they have uh, dug a canal that actually leads down to Uh, The top picture is the reservoir, and it's a 33,000-gallon reservoir. And this is continually filled by that spring so that even in the dry season, when they could no longer uh, farm because there was no rain, um, they can now farm and have uh, actually two crops a year, which means that they have more food to eat, more food to sell, and now have um, extra money in which they can send their children to school. Um, the picture below is actually a sprinkler, and it is a mobile sprinkler, and they were very excited to show us. They hook up a hose that is very similar to a fire hose to the um, the um, pipes that come out of the reservoir. The hose then runs down to the tripod sprinkler, and they move it to whichever field's day it is to be um, to be watered, and just sprinkles right away. I mean, they were just... it was really amazing to watch and to see that um, it's not just one community but actually 11 communities and over 300 families that are actually affected by this project. It was just wonderful to see the, the hope and the excitement of the people that we met that were involved in this. The women said we no longer have to travel so far a distance to get our water. It's now readily available and we can do other things. We can do handiwork. We—they've actually started growing herbs and um, exporting the herbs into um, the city as well. So, ELCa World Hunger. Melissa said, "What actually is it? It is—it's a name. Well, it's a comprehensive program, and it's a sustainable program with multiple strategies. And the strategies are to get to the root causes of hunger and poverty. And." we work through relief, development, education, and advocacy. As individuals, as congregations, as senates, as universities, our humble offerings and actions, all gathered together and blessed, are multiplied. And together, we are all part of the ELCA World Hunger Program. And I'd like you to take this thought away with you. It isn't so much what we can do for those in need, but what we can do alongside of them, hand in hand. Thank you.